going to work on what the church that Jesus started believes and teaches. What the church that Jesus started believes and teaches. Let me begin by saying that Jesus Christ chose to come in the flesh, being an invisible spirit, and no man has seen him at any time, but he chose to show himself visibly. And he did that just as he spoke the word and said, let there be light, and there was light, and every other act of creation that he did. The time came, the Bible teaches the fullness of time came, and he then sent forth the flesh. Now he sent forth the flesh from Mary because he overshadowed Mary and spoke the word. And in speaking the word, that which was conceived in her was of his Holy Spirit. God said, let it be, and it happened. And after the due course of nature, then Mary brought forth that flesh that would be known as the Son of God. That's a reference to the flesh. I've taught you before, but I will say it again. Of course, I know there are people here this morning uh, that have, are new to us, so let me say it again. The key to understanding one God is that you have spirit and you have flesh that in the flesh dwelled the fullness of God bodily. All right, very simple. And if you just ask God to help you to understand that, people will say, well, what about this and what about that and what about the other? And they feel like the word and, A-N-D, that that somehow makes another person or another God. And it does not. It is a connector in the English language. His name shall be called Wonderful. Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. They're all titles belonging to the same one. Okay, so if you were to allow titles to influence your thinking in a, in a carnal, in a natural way, well, then you're going to wind up with many gods, <laughs> you know, all over the place. So that is not, though, what your Bible teaches. So once again, when you think of God, you think of him as a spirit. He is not an old man, long white beard and cane hobbling around. That's natural thinking. Neither is he what pictures would often, artists would often display and their natural concept. The Bible is not a natural book, okay? It takes a spiritual mind. It is a spiritual book. And God has his own language and his own way of doing things. We are the students. We are the ones that are to learn of him. And he wants us to learn of him, singular, one God. Okay? And so in, in God being a spirit, and no man has seen him at any time, neither can see him, then the Bible teaches that God was manifest or shown clearly in the flesh. So spirit came in flesh, and that's what you want to remember. That is the key to understanding, okay, one God for you. So when you say, what, let me say it to you like this. The Bible teaches that he is the father in creation. He created everything, and he is the son in redemption, meaning that flesh died on the cross. Now on the cross, that's why the flesh, feeling the pain and the misery and the agony of being crucified, cried out and said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? What that means is that the spirit was withdrawing from the body, the flesh, and the flesh was left then to be taken down off the cross, and to be prepared and buried. And then, of course, on the third day, that's when the Spirit re-entered that body and raised it up and glorified it. And that's what you probably get happy about once a year on Easter, okay? We get happy about it every day. We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ every day, okay? 
But I am glad for that one special time when a lot of people who normally wouldn't be thinking about him think about him. So in that sense, it's a good thing. So what I want you to see now is that the one God, he became the mighty God in Christ or the mighty God in flesh. And in so doing, then the flesh grew in grace and knowledge, just like you and I would have our birthdays and get older, and so he did. And then the time came, though, that the Scripture teaches it was time to show him as the Messiah, as the Savior, to the world. And so he began an earthly ministry. So God, come in the flesh, begins to do things among people, in a human body so that we could relate to that as human beings. And so he got tired, and he took naps, and he ate, okay, and he went walked where he went, and lots of different things that he did just like you did. He went on a boat ride, he had a picnic, he did lots of things as a human being. But that which was in him to the fullness, then that's what opened the blind eyes. That's what's unstopped the deaf ears. That's why he could walk on water and do so many marvelous things that he did. Okay? So the difference being, when a person repents of their sins, gets baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and then is filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, then that person receives the gift of God's Spirit in their life. We liken that sometimes to you get a half a glass, whereas the flesh had the full glass, okay? That's what made him God. The whole container, the whole body, the him, was filled with the fullness of the very God bodily. I don't have the fullness. I have the Spirit by measure. Hence, I am not God, okay? And when you receive the Holy Ghost, Neither will you be God, but you will have God in you. You will have His gift of His Spirit in your heart. And that's why the Bible tells you that He sends forth the Spirit into your heart and begins to cry, Abba, meaning Father. So He's the Father in creation. He's the same God as the Son in redemption, and the same God is the Holy Ghost in the church, in the believer's heart. One God, okay? I've said it many times. I am a senior pastor, and I am a father, and I am a husband. But there's only one of me. If you see more than one of me up here, clean your glasses or get them checked. Okay? All right. Okay, so there's just one of me. But I am each of those titles. But when I go to the bank, if I sign senior pastor, they're not going to give me any money. They're not going to give me a loan. If I say, well, I'm, I'm the husband of Joy Fells, well, great, but you sign that, you're not getting any money. But if I sign J.P. Fells, voila, I get my $10 that I have in the bank. Okay? All right. So the name, you want to understand the power was invested in the name. The name that he said is above every name. The name that had never before been revealed, was brought by the angel, sent by the Spirit, to tell Mary, when he's born, you will name him Jesus, and he shall save his people from their sins. How important is that? Well, we were given another example. When John the baptizer was in his mother's womb, the Bible teaches that they were told that thou art, you're to call his name John, okay? And everybody rose up against that. Aunt Gertie showed up, and Uncle George, and double first cousin so-and-so. Everybody's showing up for the birth of this child. And what do you mean you're going to name him John? What kind of name is that? You don't name him John. You name him a nice name like Zachariah. What you name him John for? Mephibosheth. What do you name him John for? Nobody in our family's named John. And oh, big old fuss going on. What people can fuss over the silliest things. But they were, they were fussing about it. And, of course, because John's father, John-to-be, his father did not believe the Lord. He was 
smitten to where he could not speak. He was struck mute, and he could not speak. And it was told, you won't speak until the child is born, because you didn't believe me. Well, the time came when that child was born. And everybody was fussing about that name, and this man, Zacharias, he calls for something to write on, and he writes down the name John. And at that split second, he not only wrote it, but he said, John! Because <laughs> he got his voice back. Wasn't that nice that God did that? So what I'm trying to say to you is, obviously what God says is important. And not everybody's going to agree with it. Okay? Not everybody's going to agree with it. But I want to talk to you and teach to you this morning that Jesus Christ, after that he rose again from the dead, when the Spirit re-entered that body and He rose again from the dead, then the Scripture teaches that He gave instructions to those He had been training and teaching, and He sent them to an upper room in the church house in the city of Jerusalem. That could be any city, but it was Jerusalem, okay? And that was the city He chose. And the time came when He told them, Jesus did, before He ascended up into heaven, he told them to receive the Holy Ghost, receive the Spirit of the Lord. In other words, this is why I went to Calvary, one reason. This is why I shed my blood. This is why I gave my life, so that you could, so that I could purchase for you the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, you go and receive that gift. And so they did. About 120 out of above 500 were obedient. They went to that upper room in the church house. And when they got there, the Scripture teaches that they began to praise and worship Him and magnify Him. And in so doing, then there came a very specific day. It was a day, a feast day of harvest, first fruits. And the Bible teaches that the Spirit of the Lord was poured out for the first time for whosoever will. And the Bible teaches that they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, all being told us in the first chapter of Acts that it was about 120 people. Mary, the mother of that flesh, Peter and James and John, the other devout women and the other apostles and regular normal people that were there. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. They all began to speak with other tongues or languages as the Spirit gave them the utterance. And when that took place, then of course the Bible teaches that Peter was chosen of the Lord to step forth as the 11 apostles stood up with him and he began to preach the word of the Lord. And in preaching to them the first day of the church that Jesus gave birth to, the church not being the building, but the church being people that are called out of darkness into his marvelous light. People coming into what became known and what is known by the Bible as the body of Christ. That's your congregation. That's your church. Then the scripture teaches that Peter began to preach to people the message of salvation. Now, what I want to stop here and just say, Jesus gave birth to this church. He started this church. He filled His own mother with the gift of the Holy Ghost. He filled the apostles with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Filled the other disciples with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Okay? And He started that church. And we are a continuation of that church. We do not change anything that He gave to His church to believe. We want to keep teaching the same exact thing. Okay? Everybody said praise the Lord. So one of the most important things that I could teach to you this morning that the church that Jesus started believes and teaches is one God. Everybody said one God. Alright. He does not, he is not a plurality of gods. He's not many gods. He's one God. Any more than I am a plurality of, of a person here. I am a person, singular, okay? Though I have many titles, and you have many titles in your life, okay? But there's only one of you. There is only one God. And He wears many hats, so to speak, okay? But He is one God. And what you want to understand is that Mark chapter 12 and verse 28, 29, and 30 in your Bible. This teaches you that the first of all the commandments is 
hear, O church, or hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. Okay? He's one. He's not two. He's not three. He's not ten. He's not twenty. He's one. And you don't ever want to let anybody confuse you about that. Now, if I lift my hands, I was at a Chinese restaurant after the rally Friday night, and we've been witnessing those people for a long time, and um, I said something to them about the Lord, and uh, the lady, they don't speak a lot of English, of course, and I don't speak a lot of Chinese, of course, very little bit, but um, I am trying to learn. But uh, they, she made a certain movement with her hand and kissed her finger, and, and uh, I said, no, 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 no. And I went like this. So next thing you know, everybody behind the counter, about five of them, are going like this. <laughs> so, but uh, hey, you got to start somewhere, you know. So uh, I was trying to convey to them that we want to do what he teaches. We want to learn what he taught and what he gave to his church to believe. He's the author of this, the scripture teaches. Jesus is the author. He wrote this, okay? He's the lawgiver, your Bible teaches. He's the one that makes the rules. He's the one that says it is this way, and that's the way it is. And none of us should be arguing with that. None of us should take an opposite stance to that. And if you've been taught something that is completely different than what the Bible teaches, then you simply need to open your Bible and ask God to, along with that, open your understanding that you would understand the Scriptures that you could see it from God's point of view, that you could understand what God is saying and what He's teaching. There is nowhere in the Bible where God taught that He was a second or a third person of something. Nowhere. There is no such word as Trinity in the Bible. There is no such uh, teaching in the Scriptures uh, to describe Him as being co-equal and co-eternal and co-existent and three persons in one God. These things, all of these terms that I'm saying to you are not in the Bible. It does not say it anywhere in the Scriptures. It came from what somebody asked me what my religion was, and I said, I don't have religion. I have salvation. Religion comes from man, okay? And for the most, for the, for the most part, as you look at it that way, I'm not against uh, anything the Scripture would say, but I want to define for you and explain to you that man teaches things and makes up things. And I've told you, he has too many beans before they go to bed at night, wake up the next morning, and decide they're going to start a religion and come up with some idea of their own. But you go back to the Bible. You go to chapter and verse. You stay with that. And it will teach you that there's one God. And, it, and Jesus made it clear that you are to love that one God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength that you're to do that, okay? You're to first and foremost learn that there's one God. And the church that Jesus started teaches there's one God. We don't teach that there's many gods. We teach that there's one God. We teach that because that's what His Word says, okay? All right, 1 Corinthians 8 and 4 and 6 tells you, and I, of course, have taken out the pertinent parts of these. There is none other God but one. Everybody said one. Verse 6 said, but to us there is, he's talking to the church now, and he said, but to us, the church, there is but one God. Everybody said one God. All right. Now these are places where in the scripture, if there was anything different, it would say it. Now where did somebody come up with an opposite teaching? Well, the truth of the matter is, there were people that left the church that Jesus started. Imagine that. Wow. You'd say, you would say, well, if I live when Jesus walked the earth, oh, I'd, I'd do everything he said. Well, he's still walking the earth. He's just doing it through his spirit because the flesh died on the cross and the flesh was arised up, rose up from the dead and then it was ascended into heaven and the Bible teaches that the heavens are going to retain that glorified body until the full 
fullness of time, if you please. Okay? Until it's the right time. And then he shall return. Okay? He's going to return. The heavens are going to retain him until that time. So what he did was he sent back his spirit because obviously in that body there was a limitation. Okay? And the body served its purpose. And it will continue to serve its purpose in a glorified state. And it represents for you that you one day, as one little boy asked his mother, said, said I don't want to, why do I have to die? And, and, and why, why do I have to, you know, leave my body and I won't see you anymore? And all these things, just little old guy. And she asked me about it and I said, well, you need to tell him he's going to get a new body. And she said, oh. And I said, oh, yeah, you're going to get a new body. And I said, if you get baptized in Jesus' name and you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, then you're going to receive, and you live for God, uh, stay saved, then you're going to get a new body. You're going to put off this, what's called this body of death, and you're going you're to have a new body, one that's made without hands in the heavens, eternal. That's what your scripture teaches, okay? And so what we're involved with here is something that is not short-term or short-lived, but we're dealing with something that is world without end. We're dealing with something that is eternal here. So you want to remember that people left the church. It is written in your Bible, 1 John 2 and 19, that there were people that went out from us, John the Revelator said, and they went out from us, he said, because they were not of us. And I've told you, the, tree, the church is likened to a great tree, okay, and Many different birds of the air, fowls of the air, come and lodge themselves in the branches of it. Okay? So everything that shows up is not of God. All right? And I've had people, you know, you don't see them for six months, and all of a sudden they show up, and they want to dance a jig and cut a rug, and I'm like, what in the world are you doing? Who are you anyway? You know? <laughs> so, okay. Uh, all kinds of people can show up, but there's... Jesus Christ knows them that are His. He counts them. And the Bible teaches He's going to recount them. You've got to get saved, and you've got to stay saved. You've got to be around for the last count here. You don't want to uh, be absent when that recount takes place. You want to be there. And when it's said to the north, give up, the south, give up, east and west, give up, my people, which are called by my name, okay, Everybody said Jesus? Jesus. Okay, called by my name. And you want to be among that number. You want to be the blessed and holy that have part in the first resurrection. Well, these folks left out of the church. And in leaving the church, then they felt like they were smarter than the apostles, and they were more spiritual than the apostles, and they more, knew more than the apostles. And so they went on down the road. And it's usually they don't go too far down the road. But these folks went to a place called Rome in a country called Italy. And there they begin to get with the ruler. You see, Rome at that time was the ruling power of the world. And so they went over there and they began to work with the emperor. He wanted his own religion. He wanted it to say what he wanted it to say. And that is exactly what the enemy does. He lifted up himself against God's throne and above God's throne, and it cost him his first estate. He got thrown right out of heaven, but woe unto us, because he came to planet earth, okay? And in so doing, then he rises up through different ones, and he does his thing. Well, in Rome, he rose up through the emperor, and through the emperor, he joined in affinity or agreement with these people, and these people who had left the original teachings in leaving the original teachings of the church, then the Bible, of course, is telling you and teaching you that they wanted to pull away people to follow them, okay? They wanted people that would, it would be all about them getting the glory, and that's what Satan's spirit does. He has always wanted the glory. That's why he rose up against God. He rose up against his throne, and he determined that he was going to be God, and he has not given up on that lie yet. And hear me when I tell you there will be a manifestation of the Antichrist, that wicked one, the son of perdition. But in the meantime, he has risen up through different ruling powers or people, 
And so he did through the emperor, and so the scripture is telling you, and history is teaching you. that these folks got with him, they made their own religion, and having lost the light and lost the revelation, then they had to come up with an explanation. And of course Satan wanted them to go, if, if God says go right, the devil says go left. You understand? And so, of course he wanted them to believe in a plurality of gods. So he gave them the idea of the Trinity. He gave them, they had a meeting, and they said, what are we going to do about these one God people? Because they're reaching everybody everywhere. And so they decided we're going to do things in a paganistic way. We're going to do things that appeal to people's flesh. And we're going to teach them that there's three gods. We're going to teach them all of these different things and we'll be in opposition. And we have Rome to back us. We have the emperor and his armies to back us. So therefore, we're going to be able to confiscate their buildings and we're going to take over their different things that they have and we're going to drive them underground. And that's what history teaches you is known as the Dark Ages because they also confiscated all the written word and they took it and put it in buildings called monasteries. And there they kept it locked away from the people. And their explanation was, that you're not smart enough. You don't understand. Only the ministry can understand. So we're going to keep it locked up and we'll tell you what to believe. And what they did was, for the most part in that day, they did away with the scriptures and they came forth with their own teachings. And they have worked to perfect that through the centuries. But you hear me tell you that in spite of what the enemy does, in spite of how he fights and distorts things, God has a church, and His church has come all the way through from the beginning to this split second. His church has been to every nation, every race, every people, every language, every country and continent and island, small or great, and it is still bringing the message of one God, that there's one God that hath created us all, one God that did this. So you want to believe the Bible. The Bible is inspired of God. All Scripture is inspired of God. And it's inspired to inspire you to believe God, to trust God, to love God, and to take Him at His word. And as you do that, then He's going to deal with your heart. And he's, that's not this fleshly pump down here. That's your mind. That's the seat of your thoughts and your intellect and your emotions. And He's going to talk to you, this one God will talk to you. He will inspire you. He will talk to you through His written Word. And He will give you the gift of the Holy Ghost. And His Spirit will communicate with you. And everybody said amen. amen. Now somebody said, well, who was Jesus praying to? Well, when you lift your hands like the little Chinese people down there and you begin to say, Jesus, who are you talking to? Because you, you if you have the gift of the Holy Ghost, you have God's Spirit in you, then who are you talking to? You're talking to the one God who gave you what you have in your heart. Okay? And, and that's what your example is. Remember, that's why God came in the flesh. He provided that flesh not only as a sacrifice, but the Bible teaches as an example that He came in the flesh to condemn sin in the flesh that people could relate. And so when he prayed, he prayed yes to his Father because he knew that the fullness of the Father was in him. He knew that it was written of him that he would be called the everlasting Father. But you have to remember there was flesh to contend with. It was spirit in flesh of himself. He said, I can do nothing. He said, but what I'm doing, I'm showing you the Spirit. I'm showing you the spiritual realm. I've come to show you how this thing works. So the Bible says in Ephesians 4, 5, and 6 that there's one Lord and there's one God. One Lord, one God. There's not two. There's not ten. There's not twenty. The Bible further teaches you in 1 Timothy 2 and 5 for there is one God. You notice it didn't say three. It didn't say another number. It said there's one God. Jesus said this is the first commandment. This is what we should learn first, that there's one God. 
if you go to back in the Bible and you look at what Egypt was like, many gods. They worshipped the sun god. They worshipped the moon. They worshipped the Nile River. They worshipped all kinds of things. They had, they had theories that, that when the Nile River overflowed its bank and it would leave the little silk worms on the bank, that that was creation. And the, and the Nile River was the god that gave creation. That's how silly and ignorant that they were and deceived that they were. Satan comes to blind the mind. He doesn't want you to see the glory that shines through the face of Jesus the Christ. He does not want you to confess that there is but one God. He does not want you to believe in that one God. And he does not want you to call on the name that's above every name of that one God. And that name is Jesus Christ. And everybody said amen. But you have to go to the scripture. And you have to look at it in subject matter. And there you see that there is one God. 1 Timothy 2 and 5. One God. Everybody said amen. amen. James 2 and 19 tells you, Thou believest that there is one God? He told the church, He said, Well, thou doest well. Thou doest well. Thou doest well. You believe that there's one God. You're doing well. Okay? So now this is just a very small representation of the hundreds of scriptures that teach one God. But I'm going to give you a handout today before we leave that will help you. And you can study, you can look up the scriptures for yourself. You can read in the Word of God for yourself. Okay? And everybody said praise the Lord. If you can show me anywhere in the Bible where anybody Anybody that was involved with God, any, any prophet that taught that there was more than one God, then I will be glad to borrow $1,000 from Marvin and give it to you. Okay? See, I can't give you my thousand because mine's all over there in that building. <laughs> all right. The next thing that the church teaches on your handout today, and I have to only give you a small portion, or as you know, it would be... Time would fail for sure. But repentance is another thing that the church that Jesus started believes and teaches. Matthew 3, 8, bring therefore fruits, meat meaning proper, for repentance. Repentance. Repentance means that you're not only, it does mean that you're sorry for your sin and your sinful lifestyle and your unbelief and your doubt and your fears and all the things that assail your mind. Not only are you sorry for those things, but that you're saying, I'm going to turn around. I'm going to have a change of pattern and direction here. I'm going to turn from the wrong to the right, or in other words, to the righteous. I'm going to turn from the power of Satan to the power of God. This is what repentance means, okay? You know, Nineveh, the Bible teaches, you, you know of Jonah and, and the great fish that God prepared that the New Testament called a whale. Uh, Jonah was sent to Nineveh. And uh, he did not want to go. He wanted to take a vacation instead. And uh, he ran away from the word of the Lord. And you, you know that biblical account. So let me speed it up then and tell you that when he, the word of the Lord came to him the second time, then he began to enter the city of Nineveh. And I want to tell you, the Bible said that Nineveh was so lacking in knowledge that they didn't know their left hand from their right. They were just, that's how it was described that they were so behind everything. And the Bible teaches that when Jonah began to go and preach to them that yet 40 days and God's going to destroy Nineveh, Nineveh, in all of their ignorance, they did the one thing right that needed to be done. The Bible said that Nineveh believed God. They believed. They believed. So now apply that for just a moment because the Bible said in the New Testament time in which we live, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. So you have to ask yourself, do I believe God? He told me to repent. If I believe the word of God and I believe what he's saying, then I will repent. Nineveh, for all of their left-footedness and all of their sinfulness, even the king, and he declared throughout the whole city that everybody, was to stop eating and drinking 
There wasn't a dog that was to lap a puddle. And that we are going to turn ourselves to God and seek His mercies. Nineveh believed God. You know, they're, this world that we live in, when the first resurrection takes place, they're not going to believe it's the first resurrection. They're going to attempt to explain it away. They're going to tell people all kinds of different wild ideas as to why certain people are no longer here and why graves opened and people were able to see that and witness that. Wow, what just took place? I saw somebody come out of there. There's going to be a lot of explaining to do and the church will be gone and there will be no more salvation. God will have taken that out of the earth because salvation belongeth to God. So repentance is what we want to do. We are told to bring forth fruit, meat, or proper for repentance. In other words, if I am doing something wrong and I tell God I'm sorry for it, but then I keep on doing it. And I often give the example. I was looking for Michael. I don't know where he went. My, my boxing buddy. Is he in hiding? Oh, there he went. Yeah. You know, if, if, uh, if Michael pops that guy next to him in the nose and his nose is bleeding and then he looks at him and says, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I did that. Let me fix it. Boom! Hit you again. That ain't repentance. There's no repentance there. You know, if you repent, you don't do it anymore. You don't do it anymore. Okay? So we want to be sorry, but we also want to change our pattern. We want to get a different result. We got to change the pattern. Okay? Matthew 3 and 11. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. This is John the baptizer. This is John who was the forerunner. This was John who was the messenger. This is John who came forth and began to preach the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins, your Bible says. And here in verse 11 he said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. Okay? This is what John was sent to do, to turn the hearts of people who were disobedient to becoming obedient. Matthew 3, uh, 9 and 13. Jesus made it crystal clear in his earthly ministry in the days of his flesh he said, for I am come to call sinners to repentance. Another place he said, I did not come to condemn. He said, I came to seek and to save that which is lost. Okay? So he comes, another scripture in teaching to the church said that the Spirit is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. All should come in subject matter to water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. All should come to receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He's not willing that any should perish. Okay? Luke 24 and 47. Now, I told you earlier in the lesson that the disciples met with Jesus in the Mount of Olives, in Bethany, overlooking the city of Jerusalem. Jesus has arisen from the dead. He has showed himself alive with many infallible proofs. And now he is giving them last-minute instructions. And he's getting ready to ascend up as Acts chapter 1 in correspondence in subject matter with Luke 24 is showing you that he's getting ready to ascend up into heaven, giving them these last-minute instructions. And he's, in so doing, he told them in Luke 24 and 47 that repentance and remission, or full pardon of sins, should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Okay? That is Luke 24 and 47. And as I said, in at the same time frame, Jesus then tells them that you're going to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. And he told them, after that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall receive power to become a witness unto me. All right? So... First, though, we gotta, we got to get first things first. First thing is to believe there's one God. And then the next thing that the church teaches is repentance. And you want to repent. You want to repent of your sins. Okay? And then, and then the Bible teaches here in conclusion of this, in Luke 13 and 3, Jesus said, except ye repent, he said, you shall all likewise perish. So the church teaches that repentance is necessary. These are necessary things. Jesus use this type of um, 
wording when he had a judge, a Supreme Court judge of the land come to him and said, We know that thou art a teacher come from the Spirit, for no man can do the things that you do except the Spirit be with him. And Jesus said, Truly, truly, or verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see or enter, he cannot see, let me do them one at a time, verse 3, cannot see the kingdom of God. And then he, the man answered, and thinking naturally, like people do, Trinity, three gods, three persons, all of these other things, thinking naturally, okay, because of titles. And he said, he said, well, how can I be born again? Do I enter the second time into my mother's womb and be born? And Jesus said, verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto thee, except a man, except, that means it's necessary. It's a requirement. It's a must. Except a man be born again of water and of the Spirit. It can be any water, but it has to be the Spirit. Some people got a spirit, but it ain't holy, you know. So you want the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And except you do that, he said, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And everybody said, praise the Lord. And everybody said, hallelujah. This is what the church that Jesus started on these subjects believes and what he and what is taught. There is no difference. There is no change. If you want to know, then you get subject matter. And you look at that subject matter, and it's like pieces of a puzzle. And it begins to show you the picture that's in God's mind on this particular subject, whatever it might be. If you read the New Testament, you will find, if you study the subject matter, you will find that no one was ever baptized any other way but in the name of Jesus Christ and that it was for the remission of sins. And once again, if you can find anybody that was baptized any other way, well, I'll go to my ATM over here and we'll get you $1,000. But I'm not the least bit worried because it's not there. And if it was there, I'd teach it. But it's just not there. We're going to teach what's in the Bible because we're going to continue to teach what Jesus taught and gave to his disciples. And at any time, this is Sunday school, and at any time that you should ever have a question, well, you know what, just flip the page over and write your questions down. And then we'll be glad to answer them for you by the word of the Lord, by chapter and verse, by subject matter. And everybody said, praise the Lord. The church that Jesus started only taught one God. And the church that Jesus started taught repentance. Okay? And you remember that Jesus made it clear that like Nineveh and like the Queen of Sheba and like others, that they're going to rise up and they're going to condemn this generation because we have had so many wonderful things that God has done, such great things that have taken place, starting with the fact that God came to us in the flesh and that he died on that, the flesh died on the cross. And that's another point for you to remember. If, the, if you understand that the spirit was in the flesh, then you understand that it was the flesh that died on the cross. Sometimes people make mistakes in, in, in trying to explain and they'll say that God died. God did not die. Okay, if God died, we're all dead. <laughs> we're all in a mess. It's over, okay? But God cannot die. God did not die, okay? What died on the cross was the flesh. That's the humanity part, okay? And that's the part where you understand that the Bible teaches he took upon him the nature of Abraham. He did that. He didn't take upon him the nature of angels. There are people that, that teach that Jesus was an angel, okay? But that's completely opposite what the Bible teaches. But some people don't have any problem with going opposite what the Bible teaches, okay? And some people, and if you're not careful, you'll sit in this class and could do it week from week. And you will constantly have the enemy bring to your mind that you think something else about things. When you would be so much better off if you would just tell yourself, I'm going to listen, and I'm going to look it up, and I'm going to read it for myself. And I'm going to ask God to help me to believe what I'm reading and to open my understanding to it, okay, that I might understand it. So the flesh died on the cross because Hebrews teaches you that it was a body prepared 
okay? And it was a sacrifice that was prepared, and it fulfills your shadows and your types and your previews that are given in the Old Testament. And everybody said amen, amen. and everybody said praise the Lord. Amen. So we're going to give you a handout now, and I want you to take this home, and I hope that you will look up these scriptures and believe these scriptures. And don't ever be thrown off by anything, any wording. You believe what the Bible is telling you over and over again, that the greatest first commandment is for you to hear. And I did say hear. Another place said, have a hearing ear. So take your hands down. Get rid of the defensive mode. You know, take your karate, the karate belt of your mind off and say, I'm going to believe the Bible. Okay, I'm going to believe the Scripture. I'm going to believe the chapter and the verse. So hear, church, that the Lord thy God is one, and that you're to love Him with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Okay? You want to hear that. Everybody said praise the Lord. And everybody said hallelujah. Now you take this handout, and I hope that you will look up the Scriptures. Underline them in your Bible and ask God to help you to believe them. Okay? Ask Him to help you to believe them. But the first commandment of all is that there's one God. First commandment of all. How are we going to move on to the next thing if we don't start believing the first thing? Okay? One God. All right, everybody said praise the Lord. Everybody said hallelujah. Okay, you get your, uh, you get your hand out, please keep it. You can fold it, put it in your Bible, whatever you think you, will help you to, to uh, study it and not lose it. Okay. we stand to worship the Lord here. Oh, yes. God is an awesome God. God is an awesome God. God is an awesome God. He is an awesome God. God is an awesome God. God is an awesome God.